while we're on the subject of, uh, of the podcast and you guys being just uh, just absolutely stand-up blokes, uh, you're a pack of bloody morons, all right? You're a pack of morons. Every bloody week, I listen to you guys, you piss and moan about the bloody midfield. You don't need to cop the bloody blame here. <laughs> fucking Hawkins, all right? It was like he wasn't even fucking there. Blame. It's because he's, he's he, not there. No, 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 I know, I know, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like he's not even there, okay? Because like he's... Yeah, people, people make bloody, uh, bloody excuses for him because they, they act like it's a kid. He's not a kid anymore. He's not a rookie. He's been he, he plays for the men's team. We're talking about the women's team. I think we've um, I think we've got one of those standing morons there. I think we'll leave Wayne there. I yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. My name's Jake Botel, and I'm joined in the Zoom studios by Sambo and Johnny. How are you, chaps? Fantastic. Hot. <laughs> it's hot as balls. It's gross. Solitary bead of sweat. Mate. Slowly cascading down your calf. There's there's a fucking migrating flock of bead of sweat <laughs> on this on this here person. This is like like some kind of breed of birds migrating. I was, I was going to say, your shirt was white at the start of the intro, and now it's a grey. <laughs> this is what I meant, Jake, when I, when I was taking a dig at your, uh, your, your workout selfie, and look, this is this sweat I've worked up just sitting here. That's what I realised. Like it, I was, it was foolish of me to go to all the effort of putting in half an hour uh, of sprint training on the bike when I could have just sat outside for half an hour. You could have just laid in the laid, laid in under a tree with uh, with some sunglasses on and uh, <laughs> read a book, drank a hot, get... hot, hot cup of coffee. Uh, you would also get a tan. Yeah, but perfect. Yeah, I don't tan. The... You know, bloody warm. How you, you look? You, I'm going to say that you've got some kind of aircon pumping where you are, John. Yes. Yes. I do. I'm nice and comfortable Jake. in my new house with a nice fresh aircon. Oh, good. Jake, got some aircon? No, going? no aircon in this room, and I can't have a fan on because I'm a professional, so I don't want it in the background of the recording. Well, is is my aircon on in the background? Can you hear it? If it no, is, but it's not a fan. No, it's, it's not, not a, a fan, fan, though, John. No, it's not a fan. Let's let's draw a distinction. Not getting not getting in defensive. No one's attacking. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no I just want to make aircon. sure. It's just, just uh, make sure yeah. it, it, is a, it is a tough one, though. It is a tough one, though, because what do you what do you do if you don't have a like yours is a uh, what do you call it? A um, ducted, right? Mm, yes. All going through. It's all baked into the room. What do you do when you don't have that? Especially when you're in a fucking bus that doesn't go <laughs> like I am. Right now. I'm essentially, I'm essentially Sorry. in a giant coke can in the heat. Yeah, yeah. There's no insulation. You may as well just be in the oven. Yeah, know? I'm you're literally a very um, slowly rotating. Very grown-ups kind of conversation here, talking about ducted cooling and the you know nature of fans versus air conditioning and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, really good. But look, nice, nice view, nice view, right? It's beautiful view, absolutely. Beautiful view, <laughs> it's worth fantastic. It. It's worth it. And I'll, I will, I'll step off this bus about two and a half kilos lighter. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, it, it's yeah, it's been a sticky one. Not, and I tell you what, 
not whether you'd particularly want to be playing footy in, but few teams this nah. week playing it in. Uh, well, I guess it gross. wasn't too hot on the weekend. I, I think they got away with the uh, super hot weather this weekend, but next weekend, no, no, I think there's more rain coming next weekend. So they might, they might be lucky enough to escape the scorching, ridiculous heat. Maybe we'll and of course they play on the fucking grounds that have no shade. They're not mm. in, they're not in bloody Marvel Stadium with giant walls up around them and air yeah. pumping through the rooms that surround it. I reckon we might have to get a segment going with John's weather report. I think John needs to cover the weather. Um, <laughs> I think he needs to give us the weather updates for games and that sort of thing. I feel like I feel like John had had a bit of um, yeah nice nice flair to the weather weather reports with Johnny Larkin. Um, You've got to, got to keep up with the weather in my industry because you never know. The rain scares people away. Yeah, it's right. nice with it. brings the people. It's I'll true. be honest, I thought you were going to use it as another segue to mention being a homeowner. No. <laughs> like, got, to, got to keep no. track of the weather when seeding the brand new lawn. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I haven't even started that yet. Don't yeah, remind no. me. John's got to Just get spray those. Spray the dirt green. Fine. <laughs> He's got to get some of those <laughs> shoes with the spikes on the bottom so he can walk around yeah. in his uh, spiky clogs, aerate the lawn. Aerate, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So big game this weekend just gone, chaps. The first weekend of AFLW, Sambo and I uh, had your live pregame show on Saturday for the Cats and Roos, and then obviously the game itself occurred. Um So that's what the meat of this episode is going to be about. Uh, the Catters travelled up to Melbourne to take on the Roos, um, a team that soundly beat them last season, uh, 70 points um, last year in round one. So the Cats took eight debutants in for the game, six first-time AFLW players and two of them, uh, sorry, an additional two players making their first start in Cats hoops. Tough physical contest to open, scores hard to come by. A uh, great effort around the board from the Cats and the lift in intensity and endeavour was pretty noticeable right away. The Roos did manage the first goal of the contest and led the game 1-2-8 to 0-0-0 at the first change. Um, Geelong continued hard after the first break and held the Roos scoreless for the first quarter with Chantal Emmonson. I was saying Emmonson, but the, uh, the broadcast said Emmonson. Now, I'm going to put my faith in the broadcast team that they would have gone and got the correct, correct pronunciation. Cause I've been saying Emanson. Um, so I don't know what we want to go. I was thinking, well, we'll trust the professionals that it's Chantel. Emanson. Uh-huh. So we trust ourselves. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll all right. Chantel Emanson um, and Madeline Carrick, both. I hope it's Madeline, not Maddie. Pretty sure they call her Maddie. Uh, anyway, I'm all, I'm all over the fucking names. Anyway, uh, Carrick, both playing star in roles down back. Uh, for all their effort, Geelong just couldn't find the opening of the big sticks. Managed just two behinds for the quarter to trail eight to two at the half. So that was a pretty impressive effort holding the Ruse to a scoreless second quarter. So the Cats down by a goal at the halftime break. And if they looked fired up in the first half, the Cats came shot out of a cannon in the second, seizing the lead through a goal to Phoebe McWilliams and applying an enormous amount of savage pressure on the Kangaroos, who began to look distinctly mortal. Uh, when Julia Crockett-Grills, JCG, nailed a dagger of a ground goal on a tight angle, 
The Cats had taken a 2-3-15 to 1-2-8 lead and held the Kangaroos scoreless for a quarter and a half of play. But Geelong couldn't extend the lead beyond an extra behind and thereafter the Roos began to work their way back into the match as their skill and experience rose to the forefront. They snagged a goal just before the end of the third quarter to make the game 2-2-14 to 2-4-16, the Cats' way. Last quarter was fiercely contested. The Cats committed uh, commitment to pressure the opposition and moved the ball at pace. With Dare was obvious, but North simply had too much class when it came to the forward 50. Uh, the Kangaroos kicked two goals straight 12 to the Cats two behinds in the final quarter as North survived a massive challenge from a reinvigorated Geelong outfit, winning 4-2-26 to 2-6-18. Sambo, I'll go to you first. Uh, your thoughts initially on how the Cats got out of the gate in that first half and, and how they looked. Uh, yeah, look, I think the I think the first half, um, particularly the, the first quarter, it was all a little bit of what we sort of postulated could happen you know when you you've you've done all the theory you've done all the training but then then it's game day um and you've got to put all that into practice i think some old habits came creeping back in pretty quick Uh, i think under pressure in the heat of the moment they fell back on some old some old um problem areas one of the one of the ones that we we talked about a a lot last year which and i noticed again the first half this game was the um losing a bit of structure when you're, when you're defending, uh, relying on your stars, like your Meg, Meg and Amy McDonald's to, to clean it up. And apart from that sort of just ball chasing, that's 11. Not your fan. Um, Not your, 11. I think, I think Jeez. we're at 11 now. Yep. I think we're at 11. Last, last I heard we're on six. No, no, we did. We did plenty in the, uh, in the live. Roughly. Um, so yeah, and then we, you know you rely on those good players to come in and, and you know sweep up the the debris. But when that wasn't happening, there was a bit of like you know two players charging the ball carrier, and then you've got one player marked up, and then another player free, an, an obvious option. Um, so there's there's some of those sorts of things that I thought in the first half. I don't want to just go through the whole game and you know eat up our whole conversation, but that I felt. I felt that there, it was really night and day for me from the <laughs> from the, the first term compared to, you know, when they came out hard. It wasn't. I didn't see a lot of the signs of what happened later. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you you would agree with that. You know, it was it was almost like I had a lot of faith in the things that they've done and the things that we've discussed, and that that would come good in the way it did, but. Um, yeah, there wasn't really any evidence of it until it happened, in my opinion. <laughs> well, well, it's interesting, and I'll flick to you shortly, Johnny. Um, like, in that first half, I was thinking, you know, this feels very familiar in that Geelong, I know that they, I know that they didn't manage it against the Roos last year, but they managed it against Collingwood. Uh, I think it was the Bulldogs, like a number of good teams last year. Like, the cats were in the games at halftime and it was everything that happened after halftime that often, um, you know, end up with the results looking a lot more lopsided than they actually appeared. Um, you know, and I guess that brings, you know, full circle to the conversations about, you know, needing to be able to run games out at a higher level of skill and energy. Um, 
so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like there was a familiar feeling. And I think I text you at halftime when they tra- were down eight, two, I was like, I'm scared for them because I, I so want them to do well here um, because I know how much crap they're going to cop from people because it's, you know, people are quick to pile on this team on, you know, online at times. Um, and I was just like, oh God, I hope it doesn't follow the same trajectory where they've worked their guts out in the second half, but haven't, sorry, in the first half, but haven't got reward for effort. And then it falls away in the second half and it looks really bad. But Johnny, um, second half, that wasn't the case. It was a different story for the Cats this year. Absolutely. That was sensational second, uh, third quarter. Uh, I remember I didn't get to see the first half straight up and see skillfully so as a host missed. as a host I, re, I you know i went to you for the second mm. half so that's that's good host work there by me just give myself a little was, tip so there um i'll let you do your job give now. yourself a little pat on the back <laughs> thank you but yeah i got i got to watch this whole second half and as soon as i was watching i was like whoa this is a a team that has come out firing ready to play they look completely together as a unit the whole team, they were playing so well. They were using each other. And Morrison was just bursting through the packs with those mag- majestic locks of hers. Bombing it long into the Ford 50 where McPhee, uh, Phoebe McWilliams was just dominating. Um, so, yeah, it was an exciting second quarter that I watched. And part of me was going, oh, shit, maybe I'll get my big balls call correct on a win against North Melbourne, there was, there was a bit of a slight excitement there going, oh, maybe I got something right this season straight up. Well, so yeah, that second, that third quarter was just blistering and fantastic and really confidence boosting for the, for the girls. And you could say they're really working so well together. But then in that last quarter, you could just tell Mel- North Melbourne just were able to work it back into their onto their terms a bit more, use the ball a lot better. They weren't as rushed. And you could also see those bad habits coming back in where three or four girls would go to one North player and they'd leave two, three North Melbourne players on the outside, three with an easy get-out, easy handball pass to another Free North Melbourne play, just kick it down the wing. Um, so there's those bad habits still creeping in, but that's just inexperienced with a lot of debutants. But apart from those issues there, I still think it was a, a miles. But it's hard to compare this team to last year's team in round one because I think they're completely different so much more skilled, uh, experienced players stood up every time they had the ball and you, the leading the inexperienced players or the debutants or the players that haven't played the game before could tell they were leading them really well. And the young debutants were just putting all their effort in the whole time. And I feel like once that energy rush of that excitement of playing the first game wears off and they calm themselves down a bit, I think the team will really gel and I think we'll get a lot of wins and it's exciting. I think good vindication for the girls that they do have the skill, they do have the talent. It's just getting it working over the four quarters now. Uh, 
Yeah, no, sorry. Go ahead, Sam. I was just going to say there's a there's a, there's a difference too with that whole you know multiple players rushing the the ball carrier. There's a there's a difference and it was it was uniformly probably not the way you want it in the first half and the second half when it crept back in. I thought it was still you know there was some times when it was incorrect, but there was other times when they were doing it within. You could tell it was part of a structure yeah. where two people would charge or three people would charge and someone else would be covering and that's kind of where you where you want to do that and where the leadership comes in and where the, the structure comes in um, to be able to, because that was part of, part of what the, and it's a, it's a risky thing because part of what the cats did so well was their pressure and locking them in. Um, yes. one, one of the things they did to do that was piling on, just piling on constantly, not, not leaving it to one person to lay that tackle, but one person lays the tackle and the second one sticks it almost straight away. And it's just a, it's a minute difference in timing um but it's a huge difference in in structure i think to know yeah. that, that you can chase that person because so and so is your is going to cover you the person you're marking etc cetera, etc cetera. so I, I agree it was it crept back in the in in the less effective way later but i do think there was times when you know and maybe that's why they do it so much because that's part of their approach yeah is to pile on <laughs> really make sure they but that there's not always the structure and the covering happening and so it looks like people just chasing the ball in a playground well i guess there's that thing too there's that difference between feeling like you have to make the play like you know everyone feels like they've got to make the play at the ball and then thinking everyone has to support making the play on the ball you know what yes. i mean I, I think you're right there is a this is a fine yeah. difference but when you get that right it works so effectively yeah yeah, yeah I, I think it's the big difference between two people tackling at exactly the yeah. same time versus one person laying the tackle and the second one making it stick because mm. if two yeah. people tackle at once and the tackle doesn't stick two people are out of the game if mm. one person tackles and it doesn't stick and you've got the other one following in you, you're backing the backing the tackle up and you're making it stick mm. that's that's another difference too i think in the first half it was very much like two people trying to bear hug one person and the person would just hand pass it off or slip around them mm. and two people are now out of the chase as opposed to one person grabbing them and as the other person tries to get away the other one sandwiches them in so it's 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 tough stuff like it's easy stuff to say when you're watching but when you really think about it that's the difference of maybe one or two steps you know like starting yeah. <laughs> starting your run just like adding that extra step or cutting that step off your run so you don't arrive too early so into the moment um but the good part yeah. is that i saw them doing it well a lot of the time the, the ruse were really you know in the second half it was their turn to not really be able to get a clean possession yeah you could really tell that the kangaroos in that third quarter were panicking a lot mm. and just they're under so much pressure from that excellent cast pressure you could tell they're just panicking of trying to get out as quickly as they could and then that fourth quarter i think they sort of worked out what the cats we're doing about to compose themselves a bit better. But I think once the cats do just get those timings right and have that constant pressure where they can, you know, two girls go in, one gets a tackle, other one just backs them up. Mm. I think a lot of teams are going to struggle against that full on pressure because you could really tell that in that third quarter, it was just relentless. Mm. There was no time for the kangaroos. And when they did get a clean kick, 90% of the time just got intercepted by a cat's defence and mm. 
yeah, that that third quarter was exciting to watch. It was blistering, and it just shows what that team can do when they work so well together. And to bitch and moan and, and be a little bit biased for, for a second, I think credit credit given to the Roos, of course, for capitalising on the opportunity to get back in the game. But I I would say that I felt like there was, there was some umpiring that gave them a chance to get back in. Uh, and I'd also say the injuries, some like the um, Chloe Shear, when she went, when she went down, you saw that. And I thought it when, when she was struggling and I thought, I really hope this doesn't suck the energy out um, because what we were doing so well was the hard hits, the multiple person tackles, mm. as we were just talking about laying those things um, going in hard at the ball. Like it was a really brutal third quarter, like the way, we were tackling. And when you see one of your teammates hobble off with an eye the size of a golf ball, mm. um, you know, it, oh. can, it, can, yeah. it can just put that, that millisecond of doubt into your head of charging. And I think it did. I really feel like mm. that, that the, just a slight bit of trepidation about hitting them that hard when you see one of your teammates go off. Plus, uh, and that weird... seeing um, the skipper go off for a bit. Mm. That that was also another tough one to take to see Meg Megatron. Yeah, yeah obviously, yeah. Often in a bit of pain like, as well. Um, I mean, the Ruse had a couple as well, but I think the mm. Chloe Shear one really started a bit of a domino effect. There's players for both sides just going off left, right, and center. Um, Absolutely. And then the Meg one was obviously a bit later, but that was yeah. It was it was kind of Cameron, twice now we've said Meg Megatron, and he hasn't played oh, yeah. it. Jesus, I think Cameron. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, Cameron's asleep at the wheel at this point. Um, I, I think I think the fucking uh, <laughs> Colin, uh, Colin two I think the other thing with the Megatron, um, sorry, rather the the Chloe Shear injury, um, well, sorry, in addition to the Shear one and the the Megatron one, Annabelle Johnson copped a bloody knee to the back of the head, didn't she? At one point. Yep. in a marking contest like and yep. she jumped back up but yeah she, th- she jumped back up but she'd be she would have been knocked around a little do you think it was and did you see chloe Shear actually came back on briefly she did yeah yeah i i was i was quite shocked by that i think once megatron went off um she never came back on to the field at the end there well megatron um, went off in the last six minutes right yeah yeah it was, um it was late did you guys think though too, like when the cats were up fifteen to eight, it felt like one more goal, one more goal, it and did. and yeah. and the kangaroos are cooked here, and we just couldn't nail it. Honestly, even without one more goal for us, I think if we could have gone into three quarter time, as yeah. it was, if we could have held them, yeah. but there was that weird bit, and I still didn't. They never showed a replay of the free kick, and like oh, as I said, yeah. I, I don't really want to piss and moan about umpiring too much. But I would like to see it and go, oh, no, I have nothing to complain about. I was wrong. I just didn't didn't see the free kick in the heat of the moment that led to that kick, that led to that weird moment where all the Geelong defenders went up and the one that was left yeah. fist bumped it and it hit her in the face and went over. Like, it's, it was just, yeah, it was one of those ones that just, it just doesn't feel, you know, our, our mate Jacko from Dog Hungry was talking about how he hates the uh, the saying of, like, you can't write this stuff. I, I adhere to the the opposite saying which is it feels like someone is writing it yeah <laughs> like it just you, you could just 
moment when they were making that push and then there was that weird free kick, you're just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's, and, it's, and all these happens. dominoes lined up to make that goal happen. It always happens. At, it feels like it happens at the worst times of those free kicks that just not we, – you, we as a spectator just can't see what happened and you're like, oh, what the hell happened there? And yeah. We don't really get an explanation, but I feel like it happens so many times last year was the girls were on top and then they got this free kick against them and it just mm. took everything out of them. And that, like, was, oh, shit. that was really close to the Chloe Shear injury. Mm. Like, like in my head, it was literally the same like move. It probably wasn't, but it, it, I, it was in the same kind of realm. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I feel well, like it, make, it was. It would make sense because they said it had to be, Chloe had to have the, um, concussion test and then 20 minutes later you had the second one and she came back on for the last five minutes so if you backtrack 20 minutes i feel like that would be roughly in that in that kind of madcap period where it just all turned against us so if absolutely if we had had got another goal but if if we could have been able to go into three quarter time um just fully (laughs) um fully in control like we did uh, like we were just prior, but it just it, the momentum shifted, and momentum shifting at the at, at a break is really tough. Well, in in mm. in the in you know AFLW where the scores are a little lower, goals harder to come by because you're dealing with you know you've got less time to score in, and that was one of my big gripes from the weekend was the games go by too quickly. I'm of the opinion mm. now that the men's games go on half an hour too long, and the women's games go half an hour too quickly. Um, I, I didn't mind in the COVID season in 2020. I, I actually thought the men's games, that was a fine length to go for sort of, you know, mm-hmm. about two and a half hours instead of three, you know, all said and done. And I think the women's games, they go for about hour 45. It's too quick. We've got to get it up to a two hour experience at, at minimum. Um, and it just, you know, they, they're not stopping the clock. Um at all the same points as the men's, the quarters are already smaller. Um, so that was an issue for me um, f- from the weekend. But it's so funny. I hear people talk, um, you know, and I'm a kind of a stats minded person, but not so much that I'm one of those people that says that momentum doesn't exist. There's a lot of sports <laughs> fans these days who say, oh, momentum doesn't exist <laughs> in sport. That's made up. I'm like, bullshit. You can. We're, it's like saying I don't hair, have hair under my head. When we're not, when when like one <laughs> when the when the stats are all going one team's way, yeah, and then the stats are all going the other team's way. <laughs> That's right, and you can feel it. That's the thing. It's yeah. it's not quantifiable. Well, it is quantifiable if you look at statistical trends because if one team suddenly starts dominating the possession or the tackles, you know, we're seeing a lift in tackling, which is creating. A, you know, pr- sense of pressure that is creating momentum towards one team. Like you can see it statistically. Unfortunately, we Absolutely. can't as viewers because they often don't, um, you know, give you I think it's, all those statistics I think it's in one real those, time. But, you know. I, I think it's one of those things where they hear the commentators go, I can feel the shift in momentum. I think mm. people are just getting a bit annoyed that that's against their team. They well, hear the shifts turning against their team. Like fuck off! Yeah. It's not turning against us. But there are got the momentum. Legitimately, but- people out there who 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 work in in sports analytics who you know say all the time on Twitter, momentum's just, it doesn't exist. It's not a thing. It's not a real thing. And I just think that's 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 
chopping out a massive part of the game, which is that it's played by human beings who don't operate on an algorithm. They feel things. I mean, sure, tell me momentum doesn't exist, but you need to give me a a real solid substitute. You need to give me a really good evidence of what sits in, because you can't just take, from, from where I stand and the way I view sport, you can't just take momentum out without putting something like you go, they're going to have to tell me what goes in there instead because yeah. it can't just be statistics. Well, it's good. It's good play. Otherwise apparently. you wouldn't watch sport. Read it yeah. beforehand and go, well, that's how this game's going to play yeah. out. It'd be boring if you had top team play the bottom team. You've got all the stats together and go, well, this team's going to this many so, kicks. This team's going to get this many kicks. This is how it's going to play out. This is what the scores are going to be at the end. The are, these people saying, are, are these people saying psychology doesn't exist? Well, yeah. this is what their, their point is that you're like, and I've, you know, I've seen Twitter interactions with them and stuff, you know, and these are people who work in, you know, high up in sports industries and stuff saying, well, you know, it's not about momentum. It's not, you know, what do you mean momentum? It's one team stops playing badly and starts playing well. That's what it is. And I'm like, but that's a shift that's in momentum. momentum. You're explaining a <laughs> shift in the momentum of the game. The game is headed in one direction and then something changes and it starts heading in another direction. And you, I've, you cannot tell me I think that, that it doesn't exist. I think that's a perfect explanation of what momentum is. One team stops playing badly and they start <laughs> playing good. And momentum is why. Yeah. Like momentum, like a combination of things is momentum. And momentum is why the game changes. Like that's, oh, that's fucking aggravating. That's so stupid. Because I this- mean... They're the same people who say too, though, that revenge games don't mean anything. Rivalry games don't mean anything. Why should it mean anything for one team to play another team? Like, it's just another team. Because because a team is a group of people with histories and emotions and and psychological damage. Absolutely. And you've got the massive support crowd behind you hating on that mm. other team. Yeah, if there's no thing along that, with you. If there's no such <laughs> momentum, are they the same people that say home crowds don't matter? Probably. Yeah, yeah probably. I don't know the ones that are saying that's kicking the ball between two big sticks won't win you the game. It's just yeah. it's just frustrating <laughs> because I think it because it ignores such a crucial part of the game and you could absolutely feel of- the shift in emotion and psychology between the cats and the roos. Um speaking of the cats and the roos. Um, just your thoughts on the debutants. Um, you had Georgie Prasparkas, who had 20 disposals, which was equal team high, and six tackles. You had Rachel Kearns, Monty, uh, had seven disposals, one mark, five tackles. Liv Fuller, 10 disposals, two marks, 13 hitouts. Chloe Shear, seven disposals, two marks, two tackles. Chantel Emanson, seven disposals, two tackles. Claudia Gunjaka, a quiet one, just the one disposal, one tackle, but was sort of playing a difficult role up forward. I thought that that was one area that we haven't really touched on that I thought struggled a bit. The Cats forward line seemed a little dysfunctional, still still finding its feet. Um, Zali Friswell, 10 disposals, one mark, three tackles. And Annabelle Johnson, the Achuka girl, uh, six disposals, three marks, and a tackle. Any sort of standouts for you guys that you know you want to remark on? I imagine John's pretty happy yeah. with Prasparkas. Pretty happy with Prasparkas and Kearns. Monty, mm. very happy. Um, they, I thought they all played well, played their part. I think Gunjak is going to find their feet a bit more and wants to 
it's the same thing as any other team. Give me a field's got to work well. Mm. Give your forwards that chance. And it's like in the men's, like the forward line players, not, don't, not the ones that always get on the field and just have a blinder straight up. They've yeah. got to sort of build it up, get work, work it away into the game, work out how that forward line works. Because you're not in the midfield where the ball is going to be there all the time. Got your limited option opportunities and you've got to take them. And I feel like she will get there, but she might be also moved around a bit. Because she's that player that can be moved around for any position. And I think she'll be fine. I think nerves, excitement, all that. It's hard, especially coming against a good team like North. But yeah, I feel like a good showing by all the young girls and like. Eight debutants and to lose North by eight points when we lost by 60 plus last year is still, in my books, a massive tick all around. Like, that's impressive. Absolutely. Sambo, what are your thoughts on the on the new group of eight? Anyone stand out to you that you're uh, excited about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Chris Barkas was uh, incredible. She seems like an absolute uh, firecracker. Um, uh, I would say that of the of the next sort of rung statistics wise, I think Shear might have not had the the most um, statistics, but I think she probably had the the most effective interactions mm-hmm. of that next sort of bracket. So if you got Georgie Prosparks that you know she's of the debutantes, she's well up there, and then you got probably Kearns, Fuller, Shear, and um, and Chantel. Emerson, Emerson, are the next sort of bracket. I feel like Chloe Shear was a, a bit of a had to had some more X factor impact on top of those stats. Like, I mean, they're, yeah. they're good stats for a, um, debut. But I, I really feel like she was a bit of a um, what are they? What's the what's the word that they'll be? A bit of a barometer, is it? Yeah. Like she was she was setting the tone um, and really leading by like I did not seem like a like a like a debutant like did not seem like a like a first game performance like seemed very composed very uh very assured confident and experienced but like really like in like a high intensity as well wasn't like composed and and such you know in a slow sort of way but um yeah, I, I, I feel like she was the one that really surprised me and really I was really taking note of her so I felt like it was really yeah, it, as I said earlier, it was a real knock um, to the to the team when she kind of went down. I sort of feel like um, to Sheer, she brings that toughness that she's obviously, and and like you said, that level of intensity uh, over mm. from the Crows where she was previously. I think she won a flag with the Crows, but oh, did she? Okay, yeah. My thoughts with with um, Sheer and Rachel Kearns were they're a bit cut from the same cloth. Two absolute bulls. Um, who just look like they can physically impose their will on people, look like they've got a hunger to rip into the other players. Um, and I, I feel like that's that's a bit of a trend for Cats during the uh, recruiting season. Yeah. We'll find these girls that will just completely bulldoze anyone in the way. You've got Nina Morrison. He was doing a Kearns, Shear, mm. Pasparkas even. I feel like she was doing that. And then you got Megatron. In the back line, just whew. okay. Yeah, interesting. I'm sorry. I've just I've just checked my checked myself here. I thought I thought this was only she is second or third year, but she's been around since 20, 
technically since 2017, but she missed yep. the season of 2017, uh, which makes a lot of sense because I, I feel like if you compare her and Kearns with very sort of similar stats, um, I think it makes a, a complete and total sense like the, because Kearns felt like a lot of effort, a lot of, a lot of impact yep. on players and, and a lot of impact on moment-to-moment gameplay, but still not quite that next technical mm. know-how mm. to like, most effectively use that whereas sheer yeah of course like yeah uh, um having having played three or four having having three or four seasons under a belt um was just able to have a similar impact on the moment to moment gameplay but also take that to the next level and really affect what happens next how exciting was that moment um for me when kearns took the ball and just took off running through the Mm. 50 and then i thought she looked like do I need to bounce it here? I'm not sure exactly where I need to bounce it. And I think she did get a bounce away in the end and then slipped and was tackled. But just, mm. I think you can see that same thing as when you watch Cora Staunton for the GWS Giants, obviously um, uh, Kern's countrywoman, um, Cora Staunton, that goal sense to take off and start to make a play and open things up and draw a defender to you, which means you can maybe hand it off to someone else over the top or go yourself. Yeah. Like the instincts to attack are really exciting from, for me from Kearns. Yeah. I mean, that's her first game. Absolutely. I feel like it's going to be talked- really interesting watching her journey. We've talked Going about or like the, you know, the instinct to do the thing. It's a lot, it's a lot better to start with that and then learn the technical skills, which I think it, she okay. evidently demonstrated that she has. She wanted to take that ball and run the whole frigging field and kick the goal. Yeah. Um, and she <laughs> maybe just doesn't, isn't quite there, but the, the the hunger and the desire is the foundation on which she can now build her technical skills. Absolutely. Be an absolute star and come mm-hmm. top three in the MVP this year. Yeah. So and and just brief, briefly to touch on um, Gunjaka, I think... I don't know if you were going to bring it up anyway, Jake, but I feel like she would have been helped by uh, Olivia Barber in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I really felt like that was a massive like absence. And I don't know if it was just selection or or if it was injury. I don't know what the, the deal oh, was there. But yeah, I mean, Gunjaka, you know, friend of the pod. And I, as John said, I think she'll get there. But it was a little bit like having a having not i don't want to keep constantly comparing to the to the aflm um but it will occasionally happen especially because it's a good way to demonstrate to some of the listeners (laughs) who aren't so familiar but that's a little it felt a little bit like having the the aflm forward line with gary rowan and hawkins yeah do you know like like i think i think benjark is a very good a very good player and she's gonna and she's gonna you know find her feet there but um, it just felt like they lacked that really dominant, hungry, desperate for any goal they can get kind of forward target. And, and that to me is, is Barber. So uh, I wish we had a little more info on why she wasn't there. Yeah, it'd be nice to see. And, and yeah, because that was an obvious lacking thing. And it was where that um, the North Melbourne player, I'm trying to think of her name, um, she kept floating across, um, might have been Caitlin Ashmore. She's the one who's listed as having taken the, or no, Jessica Duffin. I think it was Duffin. Um, Just floating across, taking intercept marks. Um, You really needed someone who was another problem. Like I think to be 
mm. crashing the pack. And I mean, that is what Liv Barber is so fucking good at. Like that is her whole game. So Absolutely. hopefully that the non-selection was more to do with making sure she gets healthy um, than mm. it was to do with her being, you know, out of favor with selectors or anything. And that we'll see, get to see her and McWilliams and Gunjaka sort of operating yeah. in, the, in the same forward line. I mean, it's not going to be no. not a good sign if she was injured either. So my 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 number one hope is that she was maybe a close contact to someone and she was isolating. She yeah. doesn't have COVID. She's fine. She just wasn't able to play, and they just didn't announce it. Yeah. Hey, how was she um, back in this week? How was JCG's bloody goal? Julia Crocker oh, grills. Oh, that was fantastic. I, that was I, fantastic. Yeah, I'd never, I'd, I'd never really uh, attributed someone with such such goal sense. Like, yeah. that was really, yeah. like, instinctive. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. you know. That's, that's someone who knows, knows the game well, played it a few years, just got it. And then watching the replay just highlighted that instinct. Like, she had no time to know where the goal was. And just kicked it beautifully. That was that was fantastic. That was a, a sensational goal and got me out of my seat. That's for sure. Going yes, what did and carry it on? Save save my fantasy my fantasy team this week. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I six points are going to be very valuable. Yeah, well, well, was she? Absolutely. I'll give you a little uh, preview. She was your top scoring fantasy player this week, Julia Crockrills. Um, so there's a reason why you picked her. Yes, we'll get. Well, Sam had to make a string of like Moneyball style adjustments to his fantasy lineup. Yeah, couple of hours I was unrecognizable. I was um, I was very shocked that I didn't have to make any changes. I was, wasn't expecting. All my players to make the team, especially because didn't, didn't didn't we like when we did the the fantasy? I feel like you guys were like, oh, Sam's chosen all the like the surefire kind of like yeah. <laughs> get in and do that. And John's John's like, I've t- chosen some more of the unknown commodities, some of That's the riskier it. young ones. Well, <laughs> uh, the early returns on uh, Nina Morrison looked good. She looked like she was going to vaporize mm. anyone who she decided to run through. Um, yeah, All right, so, I, I think absolutely. I think there's a bit of bit of long term health and conditioning that will take just that little bit of time to yeah. like. I'm sure, she, like she looks like a beast. I'm not like she looks fit as fuck, mm. um, and she's like tearing on apart. But as we've said countless times, doing all those things you've been doing on the treadmill and around the track and stuff with you know three players breathing down your neck and two seconds to think about it before you kick it off. It's just it takes a little bit of an adjustment, um, yeah. and I think you could tell by the end of the game that that intensity that she was playing at mm. was taking a bit of a toll, not necessarily even physically, but possibly psychologically. Like mm. it's a long time to keep yourself focused and, and operating at that level. Um, but yeah, I think a couple of weeks down the track, I think she'll be she'll find her groove, and um, yeah, she'll she'll bomb away. Um, so, last little bit to touch on, I guess, before we get into votes is just that the change in style, I mean, we probably could have mentioned this earlier, but like the way it's not just the fitness, obviously we saw an improved level of fitness, but the way the cats used the ball was so much more aggressive. Like, you know, Nina Morrison getting it and just throwing it on the boot, getting it forward down the corridor. Same with Prisparkas, you know, 
someone, you know, like Fuller tapping it down to her or, or an Amy McDonald, you know, giving a quick handoff to Prasparkas on the way past. Like she's really got to almost, again, hate to compare it to the AFL men's. So, so let's look for a different comparison. You know, I, I think of players like Ali Blackburn for the Western Bulldogs, that player who can just grab the ball on the way past and throw a really dangerous kick on the boot. Um, you know, and get it into a dangerous spot. Like I thought Prasparkas looks like someone who just has all the instincts um, to really be dangerous. And mm. I thought there was a pretty clear changing yeah, game cool. style. Cool. <laughs> Don't you think there was a changing game Absolutely. style, like to move it on quicker and to move ah. it more directly? Absolutely. There was that intent to score. There was that idea that we're a team... Let's move it forward as hard as we can. We'll get it in there. Midfoot will move up as well to really pressure their defence, put the pressure back on them. And you could really tell that's what they wanted to do. And they're doing it so well in that third quarter. And the defence was moving up really nicely as well. And it was just, the Sam was saying, it just that injury to Shear mm. was one that really hurt. And then that late goal off that free kick also hurt, like just compounded that hurt and gave North Melbourne their momentum. Mm. It's not, not, not a thing. Not a thing. But um, I feel like without the sheer injury and possibly not that free kick, I feel like the Cats could have got the win. So I don't think it's one of the things where skill cost them a game. It was just those unfortunate things yeah. that got in the way that of the cats getting that win, but yeah, that that this game style is looking good. Everything about the cats is just looking fantastic, and I feel like it's everything that we were hoping to see from the cats this year. Just that urge to win, urge to get the ball, to move it forward, and to score as often as they can. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, That's look, the shifting, the shifting game game style is something we've talked about so much. I guess I didn't notice. I mean, I noticed it, but it didn't seem like hugely notable to me watching it because it just felt like, yeah, this is what we've, this is what we've been talking about. <laughs> like, yeah. It really felt like everything, everything they, everything they vindication. Discussed. Yeah, everything that they discussed and and everything that you know the 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 girls spoken to in the in the interviews had told us was you know when we sp- spoke to. To Becky, this is this is what she she sort of was, you know, really adamant on was the changing game style, increased level of fitness, more attacking mentality, um, and it was it was as we said after the first half, like the first half it felt like a little bit like some bad habits and just and I think the experience affected the tail but the top and tail of the game um, mm-hmm. that maybe maybe the shortcoming of this style we have is that when we can't get the ball back we don't have as much structure and experience as the opposition to really like suck the life out of game, uh, the life out of the game, regain control and, and resume with the momentum. Um, Especially with, you know, with, with Megatron in the squad, uh, you you arguably don't need to um, worry too much about what happens in the back line. If you're pushing forward, because she's such a gun. Now, if she's going to miss a couple of games or something, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I haven't heard exactly what's going on with, um, um, with like, Shear. I guess, like, Shear, if she cleared the concussion and came back on, you would think that barring any yes. sort of, like, 
I don't know, underlying thing, like if she's got any sort of fractures or whatever. But um, it didn't seem like if you're good enough to come back on the field, you would imagine there's no concussion issue. Otherwise, you wouldn't be back on the field. So then you would imagine that she would be a decent chance to be back. Um, I would and, think they, they take concussion shit pretty fucking seriously in the moment yeah. these days. Yeah. Well, and then met, as far uh, as I'm aware, if you fail tests, you're not going on and you're out for 12 yeah. days. So if she came back on. And look, on the, on, the, on, the, on the replay, like, it looked more of like a glancing. I mean, it was it was it looked painful, mm. but it was more of like a hard bit of bone hitting another hard bit of bone. You know, it was like the two the two brows, whereas as opposed to like you know the the bruise player that came down on the back of her skull. That's the kind of thing that you're really like. Mm. It's that real like bounce on the ground or on someone else's head mm. that really is concussion like is in concussion territory. Whereas that looked more like a. I don't know, like it was kind of like a big shiner, but it wasn't like as much concussive force like on the brain. Yeah. I, I mean, like, as you said, it's, it's hard. It's so hard to judge. Um, but, but as you said, like they're, they're su- as they should be super, um, you know, diligent with concussion testing. So if she came back on, you know, you would think that, barring other things that she's going to be right to go from that front. But um, Meg McDonald, I can't find any info about her yet. Just said she missed part of the last quarter with a leg problem. So I don't know whether it was a cramp thing or not. I don't know. Um, and sort of, there's been no information about it. It sort of looked like it might have been more of a cramp. It looked like it was that pain, but not serious pain on her face. It was like, oh, yeah, that's the spot where the trainer was also trying to probably work out the cramp because mm. she wasn't really holding her neck. It was sort of on the, the thigh area that she was grasping at. Yeah. But well, hopefully- it was a bit of a – I was a bit worried and shocked when I saw it. I was like, oh, shit, don't tell me mm. Negatron's down for a, for a few weeks. I'm having that was Tom Stewart flashbacks. Uh- yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so there's nothing out there that's – that's even better news. So, yeah, you would think yeah, if there was yeah. a, a serious, like there was an injury, there would have been updates by now, like some news to say she was headed off for scans or something. Yeah. At, at the minute, it looks good. So, hopefully, both of those players will be back. Um, now, we've got two things left. We've got to update the listener on the fantasy scores after week one, and we've got to have a look at MVP votes. Do you want to do the votes first and end with fantasy? Let's do the votes. So, uh, the fantasy points don't interfere with our judgments cool mm. all right well i will lead off i've got mine here so i'm going to give one vote i'm going to give to maddie kerrick uh i think nice. she had 14 disposals three marks and a tackle um now if you compare that interesting with meg mcdonald um just six touches three marks and a tackle i thought um uh, Madeline Kerrick and Chantal Evanson both helped take the pressure off Megatron down back. Um, mm. I think they did a really good job. Like there was less of those times where it's like, oh shit, it's, you know, we've just got yeah. our defensive sweeper playing and she's going to have to try and save the goal here. I felt like there was a lot more structure down back when the cats had a bit of time to set up. And I thought Kerrick was outstanding playing that. So I'm going to give her one vote. Going to give two for the yes. debutante, Georgie Prasparkas. 
And I'm going to give three votes to Amy McDonald. 20 touches, one mark, 14 tackles. Um, so not only did she get a heap of the ball and feed it out to other people, she was also winning the footy and, and stopping the opposition um, with pressure around the ground. So they're my three votes, one, two, and three. What about you? Who wants to go next? Johnny. All right. I'm going one vote to Georgie Prisparkas. Yep. Okay. As you said, a good, hard game. Talents there, going to be a superstar. Glad I got a in my fantasy. Two votes I'm giving to Amy McDonald. Mm-hmm. Just same same reasons as you just gave. Absolute beast. Did everything fantastically. And I'm going to give my three votes to Phoebe McWilliams. I just thought that third quarter by her was outstanding and even in the fourth quarter she'll still try to absolutely hard out to drag the team across the line to get that win but yeah i thought that game by her was sensational yep what about you sambo what do you got i have one one vote for julia crockett grills nice i got two votes for georgie prosparkis yes and I got the three votes for Amy McDonald. Nice. So good week. Close, close to the turkey tonight. Almost got the three three. <laughs> yeah. So, so, <laughs> so McDonald is on eight votes. Prisparkus is on five. Um, and then we've got um, who else we got on, on votes? We've got Phoebe McWilliams has some votes. We've got Maddie Carrick with some votes. And we've got Julia Crockett Grills with some votes there as well. But Amy McDonald. Won the BNF last year, won the Chaps MVP last year. Good start there. Now, sweep out the shoot well, again. Absolutely. We should also, just before we get into fantasy, we should let the listener know uh, the standings in the tipping. Um, I had an absolute shithouse week. I had three out of seven. I am currently moored at the bottom of the table in 10th spot. Um, So the table looks like this. I'll go from bottom to top. We've got me. We've got 10, 10 people in tipping. Yeah, we yes. can't get 10 five-star reviews. We're, we're up <laughs> to eight. We're up to eight. Yeah, Ben, Ben, oh, Beers shit. with Ben put one in. Um, so go, go ah, to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star fair, review. Fair, I haven't given us a five-star review, so I'd be one of the 10. Yeah, come me on. too. Well, I'll come on, lads. <laughs> we can get over That means Jake's given us a, a five-star review. Wow. Um, nothing wrong with self-promotion. Um, so yeah, I... You can just log it as Wayne. <laughs> I am 10th I with three. <laughs> Jack Johnson is ninth with four, correct? Loz is eighth with four. Sambo, seventh with five. Johnny, sixth with five. David, the Oklahoman, is fifth with six. There's a a five-way tie for first between David with six, Turnsky with six, Jared Foxy with six, Beers with Ben with six, and Ender McGeerty, who I believe is a chap's listener from over in Ireland, with six as well. So... 
they, they, they have, legends. We've got all of them. Just one point separating Sam so, in seventh from Ender I'm, McGeer. I'm guessing they to six that probably tipped against the Cats. <laughs> I, came, I think I think I came I can't, I'm, I think I came out the gate with two two incorrect tips from from memory right I think that's what oh. happened and then I think I didn't get one wrong then you finished strong that would make sense yes. but we, we've got I feel like I was the same so make sure you go and get your tips in first game of this next round January fourteenth what's that Friday Friday is that where we're at Friday. All right, so make sure you go and get your tips in and keep tipping along with us. All right, last little bit of business, fantasy points. Here we go. Let's do it. So Sambo, we'll start start here. Sambo had a tough week to open up, had to make a bunch of changes. There was at least three changes, had to swap players in and out. It was like money ball. Sam was cutting players. I I think I only had two people. From my original starting lineup that was still in, so I had I think I had three from my squad, but one of them was a, was my bench. Yeah, and then and then I had to dip back into the pool and bring people in. Yeah. So Sam ends up scoring sixty three points in week one, sixty three fantasy points in week one for his team. Um, Julia Crockett Grills led the way with twenty one points. Georgie Rankin, Gee, that's second. about a third. That's about a third of my points. <laughs> Georgie Rankin with 18. Uh, 18 was your second score, highest score. And then Kate Darby with 11. Um, Johnny Larkin uh, on the back of Prosparcus and Nina Morrison. Johnny got to 107 and a half points in week one. Had Georgie Prosparcus with 32, Nina Morrison 26, and Olivia Fuller with 20 and a half points. And JB, 20 and a half. 20 and a half. You get a half, half a point for a hit out. <laughs> you don't get a full point for a hit out. Just a half oh. a point. Um, and then I scored 120. Had Amy McDonald crack 48. Becky Webster got 30. And Phoebe McWilliams with the 20. So that is round one of the Chaps Fantasy in the books. Um for now. So that's week one. Done and dusted. All right. Nice. So we will be back. The Cats play on Saturday um, against the what Bulldogs time? down at Cadinia Park. It's a 7-10 game. And this is where things get... I'm working. I'm working all day. So... Oh. So you guys are going to pilot the live show, I imagine. We will. Oh, let's hope the kids sleep. That's Yeah, <laughs> otherwise John's going to do it alone. Or John will be piloting the live <laughs> show. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is going to happen, John? I don't know, John. Something <laughs> So, yeah. We'll... Back to you, John. <laughs> I'll have to get his green skiing and a picture of the inside of the Cadenia Park. And... Yeah. Go to live shots of John at the Cardinia Park from John in the living room. John, I think John. I think that it, we'll, we'll chuck a time up anyway. If you guys decide you're going to do one, I imagine we'll endeavour to. And if we do, yes. I guess it'll be about a six thirty show. If it's a seven ten game, need to be on about half an hour yep. before. Um, I mean, we could do a pre-record, but it seems more fun to do it live. Yeah, people want the live. They want to be able to interact. That's right. I have to start putting uh, bloody 
overseas times in there as well. Now that we've got the Great. Irish lad. That's right. Tipping and other people from around the world that listen to us around the world. That's Jet true. Set legends. No cats. No cats. No cats.